Crikey, it's a busy old time in the English Football League. Games coming at you from all angles, managers hoping to avoid getting the sack for Christmas. Now festive, put an intro check. Leeds marching on to seventh heaven. Barnsley beefing with Bavarian ex-boss. It didn't end well for Stendhal. Soulman left thinking, oh man, and as inevitable as the regret you feel after that ill-advised comment to the boss at the Christmas party, sorry Ian, Owen Doyle scores. This is the Totally Football League Show. Yes, hello again, listener. Thanks for inviting us into your ear canals. I'm Matt Davis-Adams, here to chat all things EFL with you and my panel of experts. Sam Parkin is not one of said experts this week. Ludicrously, he's decided that a trip to Munich to watch a Champions League game is preferable to a trip to Soho to sit in this nice warm studio. Adrian Clark didn't get a better offer, though. Hi, Adrian. Hello. How are you doing? Yeah, very good. We had a nice time at the Christmas party, didn't we? It, it was all right, yeah. Arsenal won as well this week, so all is well with the world again. Yeah, I mean, they won one game for now, but anyway. <laughs> I noticed uh, producer Abby's wearing her Arsenal shirt in, in celebration of that momentous win at just above the relegation zone West Ham. Anyway, that's Premier League. Uh, subbing in for Sam, a member of the Muddy Knees Massive who hasn't been heard from in a while. A very warm welcome back to the former goalkeeper turned journalist turned goalkeeper coach turned back to journalist, also long-suffering Sunderland fan, it's David Priest. Thanks for having me back. Just think of me of, uh, as Sam Park and plus hair. Okay, well, he'll enjoy that. Uh, it wouldn't be a Totally Football League show without William Hill's own Joe Crilly. Well, it would, but there wouldn't be as much odds checking and Bolton bemoaning. How are you doing, Joe? I'm very good, thank you. Good. Before we get into last night's championship action, David, when you were last totally here, are you were ready to head off to Sweden to work for Ostersund. Tell us how that's going and why you're back. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, is the, the job itself went really well. Really enjoyed it. Great experience. Um, you know, just being fully immersed back in football again, it's... There's no better life. It beats sitting here any day as much as I like being here. <laughs> but it's uh, it's been a bit of a turbulent season. Start off the season well, lots of hope, lots of new players. But that that sort of positivity and uh, towards a, what was, should have been a, a probably a more successful season. You know, a bit more context to that was that we we lost twelve players from the from what was the Graham Potter era. Brought fourteen in, mostly under two, oh, well, all under twenty three players. We brought in Ravel Morrison for the first third of the season. Started really well. We're around sixth, seventh place and not far off the top. And then after the, the summer break, then it's it kind of unravelled a little bit. Uh, young and inexperienced sides, you know, had a little dip. They don't have the experience behind them to to fall back on when, when things aren't going well. And then there's just a multitude of things off the pitch that's been going wrong. Financial situation, ex-chairman, uh, sentenced to three years, which he's appealed, I have to say, and, and a numerous other things. So it, it's been a real challenge, but uh, on the face of it, it, it ended up being pretty successful in, in regards that we managed to stay in in the Allsvenskan. Uh, since then, since the end of the season, because of the financial situation, the Federation have said that they're not happy with the financial situation as it is, the, it's it's there's no guarantee that we'll be uh, financially viable to to see through the end of next season. So at this moment in time, they've they've demoted us. So we've appealed that, and when we're back for the appeal, that's uh, that's heard on the 18th of December. So and I, I've I've missed out about six or seven things there. You know? So it's, <laughs> it's almost been like having five or six seasons in in, in one year. And uh, like I said, a lot lot to deal with, but still massively enjoyable. All good fodder for the autobiography, anyway. <laughs> um, Clark, it's interesting to to know, obviously we've been talking Barry and Bolton a lot this season, it's not just in England where these kind of financial problems can hit clubs, it seems to be kind of a worldwide thing at the moment. Absolutely, yeah, it is sad, isn't it? But it's 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 been there ever since I can remember, really, as a player myself. 
if the if the chairman, the owner is, if, yeah, run, if the money runs dry, then there are issues. You know, I experienced being paid late. Sam's had that as well, hasn't he, throughout his career? It it does happen at the lower end of the game, but uh, yeah, hopefully Ostersons can survive because goodness me, um, what a fairy tale it was to to climb through the league. So fingers crossed they can uh, retain their place in the top flight. There's just one thing about that. I mean, this process they've got in in Sweden in the the criteria after meets to to get your license to operate in each division. It, it's probably something that I mean, I'm not sure whether it's done in the in the EFL, but it's certainly it might be working against us at the moment. Mm. But there's been a lot of uh, clubs in our position. Your Gordon, who won the league this year, Malmo, European Giants, they've been in this position over the, in the during the last ten years. But what it does, it makes you the clubs. It's almost like a threat that they make sure that well, you have to have a plan. You have to put this all together so that if you do lose your license, you're given the chance to appeal. And the positive thing for us is that there's only ever been one club that's been uh, denied that's that appeal and, and actually been demoted. But like you said, it, it's to ensure that it doesn't happen, that it doesn't mess with the current league season so people are, are dropping out the league. So for me, it is a... It, <laughs> Of course, it's a negative if if we do go down, but it's a positive in general to make sure clubs have got their their finances in order. Yeah, the EFL need to learn from countries like Sweden and, and look around and, and get their own house in order because because the current system is broken. I know that it's been going on for years and years and years. Clubs getting into financial difficulty, but I think enough is enough, and they need to to alter the rules and uh, the parameters. All right, well, we'll keep our fingers crossed for you and for Ostersund. Uh, let's crack on with some championship. You're listening to the Totally Football League Show in association with William Hill. Big night in the championship on Tuesday saw Leeds make it seven wins on the spin. There were also big victories for Preston, Millwall and Huddersfield. It was high fives all round at the Hawthorns after West Brom stunned the Swans 5-1 on Sunday. They face Wigan on Wednesday, aiming to return to the top of the table. And in news that we forgot to mention last week, Charlton have new owners, assuming they pass the notoriously rigorous fit and proper owners test. So about last night, a.k.a. Tuesday, six games in total, all with ramifications at either end of the table. We better start with Leeds to Hull City nil. We'll talk about Hull later in the show, but in terms of Bielsa's boys, they left it late here. Two goals inside the last 20, the kind of games that teams who get promoted find a way to win, basically. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, It was a, it was a pretty professional performance. One at their best, ground it out, didn't they? They didn't, didn't panic. And uh, yeah, it does feel as if Leeds and West Bromwich Albion are a, are a class apart, really, to the rest of the championship this season. Yeah, full of admiration for for Bielsa's team this season. I said a few, I said a few months ago, it felt like this Leeds was more robust. This Leeds was was better equipped to stay the course, and and I stand by that. I think the only way they can muck it up now is if they sit and do absolutely nothing in January, and then an injury jinx hits them they just need to to bring in two or three bodies as a fail safe they do that I think they'll be just fine Leeds 11 point buffer between them and and third place Uh, Darren Lathley's been on he asked how do Leeds mess up promotion I'm nervous and last season's too fresh in the mind David uh, Clark he said maybe not buying anyone in January is this fatigue thing a bit of an issue as well we know Bielsa works them really hard possibly but it's been an issue in the past with his sides but They've got that year under their belt now. They know what it's about. They know what to expect. And sometimes that fatigue can be mental. And what will guard against that is the the results. And not only results, you see the big change this season is that they would go have some great performance last season and then 
one week they'd find themselves 3-0 down at half-time because, just because of the way they played, whether it was naivety, whether it was just not used to the way that Bielsa worked. Now, I know that, especially this season, he switches formations three, four times in a in a game. Now, that can affect players, and especially when the young side, that they've, been, they've played a lot of young players last season, and it can take time to adjust. Now they know the deal. They know what to expect. They're more drilled in what they do. They'll be more flexible. And 10 goals against this season, it's a phenomenal record. And a big part of that has been Ben White for me. I wasn't really aware of him before he went to to Leeds. Uh, it looks like Brighton have got a real talent in the hands and he looks the perfect type of centre-half that, uh, that Graham Potter really likes. Uh, elsewhere in the promotion race, Preston 2, Fulham 1. Preston picking up their eighth win in 11 home games. Victors by the old goal here in a feisty game which saw each side have a man sent off. Knockout, Huntington in the way this time. Dennis Adoy flicks off the boot of Bowden. Well, how does the referee see that? Bowers down. Adoy with the challenge with Patrick Bauer. Record shown to Dennis Adoy. Fulham reduced to 10 men. see and Bryant. Both hitting the deck on the halfway line. Knockout went for it from distance. Joe Bryan has stayed down. And it's a red card. What do you think, Clarkie? Preston got the, the staying power to remain in the promotion places. I'm, I'm not completely convinced by Preston. I think they're a good championship team. Every chance of nicking maybe the last playoff spot. But, but this was a good result, result for them. I'd, I'd prefer to look at Fulham and, and say that they're failing a few tests of late, Fulham. They don't look the real deal. We, we talked about Leeds being more robust this season. I'm not, not quite convinced that, that Fulham are. Had loads of the ball in this game. One shot on target. That's, that's not enough, really, if, you, if you're going to be looking for, for automatic promotion. So I think it's playoffs at best for them. In this game, two reds, but Pe- Pearson should definitely have had one. I mean, that was an absolute shocker of a tackle. He is the dirtiest player, I think, in the championship. Great player. <laughs> really like him, but it, it was it was a horrendous challenge. So, yeah, if I'm a Fulham fan, I'm, I'm forgetting about automatic promotion. It's all about can we scrape into the playoffs. Do you think that they might spend, David, in January? It'd be a big show of faith in Scott Parker. We know they've got money, but you want to back the manager at this point in his young managerial career, I guess. Yeah, but I mean, it depends how they see it on the, you know, not just on the on the pitch on match days, but in the training pitch as well. You know, do they want to upset what's what's already going well for them? And Scott Parker's impressed me. You know, when he you see him interviewed after games, he, he comes across really well and. He's one of these players you talk about. Uh, you talk players who he's played with in the past, and he, they, he's one of the people who they always saw going into management, always talking about game, thinking about the game, and they've put a lot of faith in him uh, being manager at such a young age. But uh, Rodak keeper, mm. I know he's, he's he's not played many games this season, but he's one who's impressed. And yeah, in, in, the, like in, in the short spell he's been in, his figures have been really good, and uh, yeah, they expect must in. Uh, meanwhile, Millwall had an impressive 2-1 win at Bristol City and the two-time European champions were held to a draw at the city ground by steadily improving Middlesbrough. Some big results at the bottom as well. Charlton nil, Huddersfield won. Huddersfield left the Valley happy after 18-year-old Matty Daly scored his first senior goal in stoppage time to pinch the points. Uh, we'll come to Charlton later on in the show, but David, this feels like a big win for Huddersfield, first in six. Oh, huge. The big lift when they came in was was imperative simply because the run of games they had it was a good run of games for them to get some results uh, they did that obviously they, they, they've lost a few games since I think they did go five without uh, without winning and you see there was a little bit of frustration creeping in with, with Danny you know using words like embarrassing about some defeats and 
and there was one thing that picked up on him saying that they needed real men in the dressing room. There will be changes in January, I've no doubt about that. They get their type of player. And, and it's not like it's, it might sound like a, a rudimentary term about getting real men in, and people might think, oh, it's a little bit old fashioned, but it's not just about physicality, it's about people who are mentally strong as well and being capable of uh, competing in the Championship. Obviously, they've had players brought in in the Premier League, and okay, it's a, it's a different animal. And they need players who suit their style of play. We know which way they play. Okay, it's, it's evolving more. The, 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 the levels as they creep up uh, through the divisions, they're going to have to evolve, and they do. They are evolving, but I think it's uh, there's big changes ahead in uh, certainly in January for them. Yeah, it's a, it's a risky thing to say, calling out your dressing room, yeah. saying that that you need more real men. So, so that was a good response, wasn't it, from the team? Stoke beat Luton three 0 uh, after three defeats on the bounce, admittedly all by the old goal. Big result for for Michael O'Neill. As for Luton, ten goals conceded, non scored in their last two away games. They're going to stick with Graham Jones. I don't think I would, and I, I, I hate to say that. I, I don't, don't like seeing people lose their lose their jobs, but it, it's not working. Obviously, they, they've had the occasional high at home at Kenilworth Road, but what I'm seeing is a team that continues to make the same mistakes. They're very naive. They they want to play out from the back. I, I admire that, but they're being caught over and over and over again. Stoke didn't have much of the ball in this game, yet they kept winning it back in good areas. And, and creating clear-cut opportunities. 3-0 really flatters Luton. They could have scored more goals. McLean missed a few. Great performance from, from Joe Allen. Luton are so much weaker this side, this season than they were in League One. They're definitely a side that, that has gone backwards, in my view, and it's sad to see. Uh, now, David, you're going to be earning your IKEA meatballs on your first ship back. <laughs> Shortly, you'll be running the rule over the division's best keepers. But first, a word on one of your former teams, Barnsley. They're in action tonight as we record, but uh, the smell of beef has been wafting from Oakwell to Edinburgh this week. Former Tykes boss and New Hearts manager Daniel Stendhal using his Facebook page, uh, 2007 called Daniel, it wants its social media back, to refute Barnsley's claims that he shouldn't have taken a new job whilst his severance pay from the Yorkshire Club was still being negotiated. Barnsley also say Stendhal held talks with a Another championship club whilst he was still in charge there. Feels faintly ridiculous on Barnsley's part, given that they sacked him. He didn't quit. Is it kind of indicative of, of the poor organisation on and off the pitch, which has seen them where they are this season? Or is Stendhal at fault for, for talking to that other club about a potential job? Yeah, well, I mean, you could think that, or you could see that there was something more to, there was more to it. He's popular with the fans. He did a great job getting them up in the first place, and you think he would be given a good chance to to do the same this year to keep them up. I mean, from Barnsley's point of view, I think him taking a job puts him in a stronger position when it comes to negotiating uh, any severance pay that's uh, that's owed to him. So it's. And, and for him, he just wants to get back in the game. It's a great job for him up in Hearts, great chance for him to, to improve on a, on a team that's it's struggling, that, that's below where they should be in the league. So that's a good job for him. Is there is there a football club out there that's virtuous, that, that, that will never speak to another manager while they're, looking, while they're potentially thinking about replacing a manager? Are they honestly t- trying to co- convince convince everybody that they wouldn't dare talk to somebody else? Somebody potentially in a job? I think it's double standards. I think they need to grow up, Barnsley. They sacked him. It, Get it, over it. it. I mean, it is double standards, you're right, but it's just the difference between actually doing it, which is everyone does it, and getting caught doing it, and mm. somebody finding out. Do you know what I mean? So it's... Yeah, but well, prove it then. And if they've got the proof, then maybe he loses his severance package. I, I wouldn't say he's that bothered. He's got a new job now, Daniel Stendhal. I, I thought it was. It, it's a little bit unclassy Stendhal 
did a sensational job at Barnsley last year. They they went up playing some of the best football Barnsley have seen in, in donkey's years. Then they sold his and, best and players they, in the summer. Yeah, they, then they sold his best players, pulled the rug from beneath him, then sacked him. I just think they're trying to to grab a few pennies back here. That's what it seems like, Barnsley. I, my advice would just be to let it go and let, let him progress with his career and, and you get on with the business of trying to stay up. Ever since Paul Heckenbottom was in charge, they did exactly the same when Heckie was in charge there. He's uh, He got them out from a woeful position in League One, got them up through the playoffs, and but in, in the two and a half seasons, three seasons he was there, every summer he was, it was a total rebuild and you've got to get to a point where it's okay if you've got a model where you think you trust your, uh, your recruitment, you You've got this big turn of players, especially getting younger players or players from lower down the leagues and developing them and making them and selling them on. That's fine. But there's got to be a point where you think to yourself, well, is it about a, making money in a business model or are we going to try and actually get some success or at least get some stability in the championship uh, so then we can build on that and then have a couple of years doing that and then we can start that process all over again. Then you, you're looking for a different level of player then. Right, uh, we teased it a moment ago. Now it's the time, David, to reveal your top five championship goalkeepers. Let's do it in reverse order. Who have you got coming in at number five? Well, I'm going to add a little caveat to this. Uh, it's it's probably not the, the top five goalkeepers, but it's probably my top five goalkeepers. Okay. Or, or, or five goalkeepers of note. Right. And there's another caveat, I've got six in there. So. <laughs> but I'll, 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 I'll maybe make a joint fifth position. Okay. Uh, this season, I think uh, Kiko Casilla has been a lot more stable than he was last year. Now, he's come into a team last year. Okay, he's come from Real Madrid to, to Leeds. You think he should be able to handle that coming from one big club to another. But it's totally different when you come from a certain style of football and then you go into Leeds and they're in a promotion battle. There's a lot of pressure on and... The pressure got too much in the end. You know, it was a fall for a few goals towards the end of the season, making bad decisions and... In the end, I'm not saying that he cost him, but it was it was a bad time for him. This season, we've mentioned Ben White, the stability he's brought. There's a lot more calmer look about that back four, and he's making a difference now. He's making saves, and he and he's shown his ability with his feet as well. And that's exactly why he's brought the club in the first place. Okay, who's joint fourth then? I'd say that uh, Bryce Samba and and Bradley Collins, simply because. Okay, Bryce Hammer's 25, but he's, he's coming to this Forest side. Bought, bought it, as a backup keeper. Yeah, exactly. It was a big surprise that he's, he's in this side now, and he's not a kid. You know, He's got a good experience for fresh football from Cannes. To me, he looks like a Manchester City goalkeeper, uh, and he looks like the prototype that's, that's further down the ladder in, in Man City's uh, academies. Where you know very athletic and he's very good with the ball. He's got great left foot on him. Uh, his distribution has been has been brilliant so far this season. The games he's played, and he looks like he's going to be an asset for them. And with Bradley Collins, he, he probably hasn't had the best of seasons. He's made his m- mistakes, but this is his first uh, season at this level. He's a very young keeper. Obviously, come from uh, from Chelsea, but he has made the difference. His numbers are, are really good. They're up there with the rest of them. You know that he's. Fifth or sixth in the league, so it, it just proves that he's, you know, even though Barnsley aren't doing well, when teams aren't doing well, it's a great chance for a goalkeeper to to impress. And you know, you often see the goalkeepers get player of the season in in that situation because a lot of time they're under a lot of pressure and they're making lots of saves. Who's next up? I'm going to go with David Raya at Brentford. Really liked him when he was at Blackburn. Again, he suits Brentford's style of play. You know, Dan Bentley was. Uh, 
did really well for them. Again, similar sort of goalkeeper, focuses a lot on the, the distribution. But Davids, he's developed really well at Blackburn and then coming into this side now. Are we on number two now? Darren Randolph, is, it's clear he's a, he's a great goalkeeper uh, and he's not in the side at the moment, obviously. Pairs in goal at the moment. But, you know, the fact that West Ham are looking to take him back and he's obviously an ex-West Ham player. Uh, in this division, you know, he's got the experience, he's got the quality prone to the odd mistake aren't we all mm. but uh, real solid uh, real solid goalkeeping I think um, it's a shame that he's out the side at the moment because Middlesbrough need that experience you know they, they've had a lot of trouble this season not playing well inexperienced manager who's uh, learning on the job but uh, they definitely if, if he doesn't go to West Ham they definitely need him back in, their, back in their hot seat and who's top of the box well I would have gone for Sam Johnson again we talk about goalkeepers that suit styles of play and, and I think that's him being in that West Brom side. They're a, they're a strong side. They're a physical side, and you look at Sam. He's a strong physical goalkeeper. He's dominant, and uh, and I think it's so important to have a goalkeeper like him if you're at the going to do anything in this division and you're going to get promoted. And and he's reliable. He's solid, reliable, and uh, and I think that's why uh, yeah for me he's the best in the league. Yeah, he's look, he looked a bit wobbly on corners at the weekend. And, yeah, and, I, I, I agree with that. He, yeah. he, he, he definitely, uh, he definitely probably should have dealt with that whether mm. he was coming to punch it or, or mm. uh, uh, stuck on his line and a little bit of indecision there but I think in the long run One omission one glaring omission England squad member or former England squad member Jack Butland has he gone or can you see it, can you see Jack Butland having some kind of renaissance at Stoke City or somewhere else Yeah I, I can see him having renaissance somewhere else uh, I don't expect him to be there in January I did leave him out for a reason. I did leave him out oh, for a reason. Oh, he's had a shocker overseas. Yeah, yeah. Just, just stunned that Sluger of Luton isn't in the top five. But that's all right. We move on. Well, that, that was a fun and informative feature. Hopefully, next week's Clarky's top five EFL press room buffets will be similar. <laughs> uh, we'll have a quick whiz through some of the games this weekend, starting with the Friday night fixture between Charlton and Hull. At the Valley, uh, speaking of the Valley, Charlton in a metaphorical one as well as a literal one right now. No wins in nine, four defeats on the spin. Is this, Adrian, a natural drop-off for a promoted team or a consequence of the manager being linked with other jobs? I think it's a partly a natural drop-off, partly an injury crisis. And because results have then suffered because of, because of those two factors, now it's confidence. Playing for back five at the moment, five three one one against Huddersfield. No shots on target. That's 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 a problem. Five points in ten games. It is relegation form really from from Charlton right now. Brought in Joe Ledley. Be interesting to see once he gets his fitness up whether he he can make a difference. The good news is that Lyle Taylor is is um, back on the bench. Maybe he'll start against Hull. But I do feel this is a tough game against Hull. Hull uh, they might have lost at Leeds, but. They impress me. It's always the the Bowen, Grzycki show, but but they're more than just that. They're, they're very hard work inside, and I think that that they will cause Charlton problems in this game. It, it might be a breakthrough game actually for for Tom Eaves if he gets the nod, because if you cast your mind back a week ago, Sheffield Wednesday went for two big strikers in the box, put lots of balls into into the danger zone. It worked. They won three one at Charlton. If they replicate that hull with the two wide men that they've got, a lot, a lot of quality in those areas, then I think that Eves could be someone that can hurt Charlton. 
Uh, just on Charlton, that proposed takeover, East Street Investments have agreed a deal to purchase the club subject to EFL approval. Obviously, supporters, please see the back of Roland de Châtelet, uh, but could be forgiven for being cautious. We've seen these out of the frying pan into the fire type situations uh, before. On hold, David, Grant McCann, I think when he was appointed, there was a bit of a collective shrug from mm. people. And actually, he's doing a sensational job, isn't he? First time as a championship manager? Yeah, doing really well. And, you know, the, the experience that he's got, it's Gunthorpe and it's, um, it's, it's Peterborough. This is what you want from a manager. You, you want to see progression from a, from a manager now that situations can dictate uh, how well you do at the club. But the quality that you put on the training pitch, that gets noticed as well. And I think that Hull have, have been up in the Premier League. They've, whether they can get back there or not, it's a, it's a different matter. But for him... I think steadying the ship was a huge factor. All the background noise with the with the ownership and uh, and it, it was taking over what was happening on the pitch. Now he's getting the focus back on the pitch and, like I said, with the the two strikers always running the show. You know, it's uh, the the, new, the headlines are about them rather than uh, anything that's off the field. Uh, Derby Day in the West Midlands, meanwhile, where the high-flying Throstles meet So-So City. It's a convoluted way of saying Birmingham are playing West Brom. <laughs> uh, Birmingham boss Pep Clotet was full of praise for Gary Monk. No, no, I mean Josh McEachern <laughs> after their 3-2 win at Reading. Josh McEachern, David, who's supposed to be the next big thing at Chelsea, made his debut there more than nine years ago. Mm. Bit enigmatic at Brentford. Maybe he's found the right club or, or maybe more pertinently the right manager for him now. Yeah, I don't think any anybody can deny his talent. You know, it's you can see that maybe he hasn't fulfilled the potential that everyone saw for him. But I'm not quite sure that Birmingham is the right side for him. He's a very good footballer, and I think that if you the games I saw of Birmingham this season under Pep Clotet, they are a bit direct. Okay, Gary Monk isn't going to be uh, he's not going to pay them many compliments. But uh, you know, hearing the way that he talked about the the way that they played, he was right. You know, and I think that um, okay, Pep's done a good job, but he's been in there as well. Uh, he's done enough to deserve the job, but uh, yeah, like I said, I don't think it's. I'm not sure it's the right place for for Josh. West Brom wise, Clark Slaven Bilic said that it was a bucket list thing to manage in the Championship. He's not going to be there for very long. <laughs> he's not, is he? Yeah, just dipping his toe in before he goes back to the big time. That they've been just outstanding. I said earlier on in the season they had flaws at both ends of the pitch. I still think they have, but they've been brilliant in between. And that's more than good enough. I'm running out of superlatives for Matthias Pereira. Sensational. But Robson Carnu, I think, has made a difference in recent times. He's got that running power to complement those, those, those skillful players in behind. And uh, yeah, this would be an interesting game, you know, because... Birmingham have not made it easy for anyone at, at St Andrews this season. They've not conceded more than one goal in any home game under Pep Clotet yet. So, so it'll be interesting to see if West Brom can, can buck that trend. The issue for Birmingham, I'm afraid, is that they've got injuries at the back. And what do you not want when you're playing West Brom at the moment? It's injuries at the back. So, so he's got a big choice at centre-half. Who's going to part the Harley Dean? Uh, that's that's a problem for them. But yeah, a fascinating uh, match in, in prospect. Crowley is missing as well and and he's been a, a real hit actually. I'm delighted to see. He went abroad. Uh, you know, yeah. like, a lot, a lot of... He's the Arsenal lad. Yeah, Dan yeah. Crowley was, it was tipped to, to make it Arsenal. It never happened. Uh, he went to Holland, did really well, picked up by Birmingham and as after waiting on the bench for a bit, 
has been a bit of a revelation in recent weeks, but he's unfortunately injured for this game. So, so I would lean towards West Brom. You have to at the moment, but but Birmingham won't roll over, I imagine. Do you not think that West Brom, even when they came down with uh, with Darren Moore, last, I mean, disappointed that uh, that he lost his job last year, and I, th- I thought it was the wrong decision. Now that they've got uh, Slavin Bilic, it's, it's it's probably worked out better for them, but. They, they just look like a like a championship side, a championship winning side. Yeah. You know the, the way that they play, they've got lots of pace, power, yeah. strong all over the pitch. The word for me is calmness. Yeah. It, they're just so calm, and and which is weird when you think how uncalm Slavin Bilic often mm. is in his technical area. But what he does, he gives them the confidence. Just say, let's chill out. We, we just we'll, we'll look after the ball. We'll pop it around. They look like they've got more time than any other championship outfit and that that is the sign of a good team Joe it's been a long time since we've heard your voice Uh, let's (laughs) rectify that now odds on those games we talked about Charlton versus Hull what were you giving me on an away win yeah Hull are looking like the favourites here 6-5 to so just a shade above even money Charlton 9-4 to uh, and the draw 5-2 to I'm guessing the away win is is the favourite in the uh, West Midlands derby too absolutely 4-5 to odds on for West Brom to win 3-1 to for Birmingham and the draw 27 to 10. And the double for those two away games pays just over three to one. Wow. How about promotion? Is it is it West Brom and Leeds way ahead of everybody else and, and then a cluster of teams behind them? Yeah, I mean, those, those two defeats for, for Fulham back-to-back have really had an effect on the market. Leeds are now 1 to 16 to go up, so that's Ooh. 8 to 1 to, to not be promoted. West Brom 1 to 8 uh, and Fulham 6 to 4. But the way uh, that they've played in the last couple of games, I, I wouldn't be backing them for promotion. I'd probably be looking more like Brentford 7 to 2, Preston 7 to 1 and uh, Nottingham Forest 7 to 1. Mm, yeah, I wouldn't be backing that. Uh, now then, listen, you know how this goes. It's League One next. Get great offers every day with William Hill. Join today and get £30 in free bets when you bet £10 using the promo code C30. Whether you like great prices, free bets or in-play scoreboards, William Hill has you covered. William Hill is who you play with. Promo code C30, new online customers only. Minimum £10 stake, win only. Minimum odds 1 to 2. Free bets paid as free £10 bets, 30-day expiry. Free bet payment method player and country restrictions apply. In League One news, Daryl Murphy admits he served a ban for failing a drugs test after taking cocaine last season, which is inexcusable because he was contracted to Forest at the time, which surely provides a far greater high than any narcotic possibly could. Ah, South End. South End, South End, South End. 2-0 up at half-time. But only them shrimpers could lose 4-2 after a monster comeback from Bristol Rovers. Sol says of his players, I don't know what world these guys are living in. Carpet world? And Blackpool reigns supreme on filed after they beat local rivals Fleetwood 3-1. It was Abby's pep talk with Simon Grayson last week doing the biz there, presumably. League One's been the place to go for misery for us this season, hasn't it, Joe? Mm, absolutely (laughs) (laughs) Uh, in that spirit David Andrew Birkbeck has tweeted at the Totally Football Show asking how much worse can it get for Sunderland AFC this season an absent owner and a team in free fall is relegation inconceivable it's not going to get that bad is it no it won't I mean as bad as everything's been so far what two wins and 14 games something like that still only two points off the playoffs now that's got to be the, the aim now but the way that they're playing at the moment that's going to be a stretch and uh it's something that has to be rectified very soon. I could see why they they wanted to change from Jack Ross. It wasn't the the football wasn't great, but the difference between Jack Ross and uh, Phil Parkinson is you could see the shoots of what he's trying to do. Even if the players went 
when formulating it the, the way that he wanted to. You could see what he was trying to do. There was a there was a purpose to everything. In those few results towards the end of his tenure, of course, fans are going to ex- they won't expect that promotion straight away. After on the back of the, the disappointment of the playoffs last season, the chairman saying that the aim is hundred points. Now the the aim should just be to get up, but you know you've got to play the season as it is. You know it's it's not that it was fanciful. Of course, it's not the you know the budget. And I hesitate to say the players. I'll say the budget that Sunderland have should be capable of of winning this division. But everyone keeps saying going on about the the depth of the squad. Yeah, they've got a, a deep squad. The quality of the squad should be the best in the league. I'm not too sure. Of course, they've got experience of uh, of higher leagues, but they're not just performing. And so. The last couple of results against, especially against Gillingham in the FA Cup and at the weekend, people saying, "I can't believe we're getting beat of Gillingham." What getting beat of Gillingham, who are almost in the same position as they are in the league, and we have to get away from that because at, the, at this very moment in time, it's a League One club and a League One team, and I think uh, it's depressing, uh, depressing to say that. But there's so much that's not right at the club. The word is they've got £9 million to invest in the club in, in January and that's not just on the playing uh, side of it but also restructuring behind the scenes and <sighs> <laughs> The sigh says it all doesn't it? <laughs> well it is it, it, We got to a point last season and, uh, when we are doing re- recruitment Tony Cotton's went in there Tony Cotton was head of recruitment for uh, for a Villa previously know Tony very well very knowledgeable he, he knows the leagues up and down Um but at the end of the day, the, the recruitment team was basically him and Jack Ross. And to for a club son and size, not to have a scouting network, a huge scouting network in place, is criminal. And that's what, the, the, you know, it, it hasn't been anything to do with finances, uh, expenditure. You look at the, the Premier League's uh, net spend over the last 25 years, I think Sunderland are in ninth place above Tottenham. Wow. And, yeah, so it just tells you that the money has been there, it's just been wasted. It's remarkable, isn't it, that they didn't have a proper scouting network. That's that, that re- You've used the right word, criminal, for, for a club of Sunderland's size. So, yeah, it's, there's more to it than just Phil Parkinson not producing the kind of football that, that the fans want, that is for sure. Which, is, which hasn't been great, has it? I mean, it's been pr- pretty boring. What I think has happened here is that Parkinson has gone in there, and I think he's been a little bit shocked at how average his squad is. And that he's almost, it's forced him in his own mind to perhaps pay too much attention to the opposition. The Sunderland fans are saying, we're Sunderland. We should go to Gillingham and attack and really go at them and and wipe the floor with them. But I think that Parkinson is thinking about it and thinking, you know what? I'm not sure we've got got the right players. I'm more worried about what Gillingham can do to us than what we can do to them. Fans are noticing that. You know, you go to Gillingham and like I said, okay, we, we... Sutherland shouldn't think of themselves that, uh, that they're far superior to, to, to a team like Gillingham. Forget about club status, a team like Gillingham. But fans are going there and thinking, well, why are we playing three at the back? Why are we playing or five at the back as it turned out most of the game? Why are we playing that? You know, going away to Gillingham. And in the position they're in, they have to be more uh, positive. And I think that the mistake that's been made in pointing Phil Partinson is that you've got to look at the squad. Now, you know that they're talking about five new faces coming in in, in January. OK, that's, that, that's fine. Uh, there the, the would have been improvements made anyway. But surely, for the, the bulk of your squad's going to be there for the whole of the season, they're not suited to playing the way that Phil Partinson wants to play. Mm. You know, if you're going to play the way Phil Partinson plays, then you, you, you have a team that's, 
yeah, that's built that way, that can play that way. Not having to go through this uh, whole process of trying to get the the, the right the, the right formation or the the right personnel, or then bringing in a huge influx of of new faces that are going to take time to gel into the squad as well. That's not good to anybody. You're not in the position that Sunderland are in now. And I think that um, he's on shaky ground now. I know that they, they've put a lot of faith in him now. That he's still bringing new staff in. Um, who's it came from Bolton? Was it? Um, Andy yeah, Taylor. Andy Taylor. Yeah. So he's new to the staff. So it looks to me that they're gonna they're gonna stick with uh, with Parkinson and, and and look longer term. But then you've got to think about if he, by some miracle that he does get him up through the playoffs, then next season. You know, what's for Sunderland next season? And fans will accept, regardless of the style of football, fans will accept direct football. They'll accept something that doesn't look great. At the end of the day, Sunderland fans, you ask Sunderland fans, historically, we just want a hard-working side who'll give everything and that's, you know, will still score goals, but by any means necessary. They don't talk, they're not bothered about total football, but if you're not getting that... And you're not getting the results either. Then you've got a problem. Yeah, so, I, I, yeah. I, from the outside looking in, the style just doesn't suit the forward players. It's, it's not suiting Grigg. It's not suiting McNulty. Uh, they need a bit more strength up there, a bit more pace up there for sure. But if you're not getting the the right tempo and you're not getting the right tactics, you've got problems. And uh, yeah, they need. Uh, you do sense change might be afoot. I mean, mm. they, they, they do have young players available to play. Benji uh, Kimpioka, who. Um, a lot of people up there saying that you should be relying on the young players but the, the more experienced players really experienced players just aren't doing the business and for me I have a big admirer of, uh, of Kim York you know, we, we tried to get him over Ross's sons at the start of the season but we were told that by Jack Ross that he was, uh, he'd be involved and he'd be getting in games in the division and he, he's barely been seen and even when he's come on and improved himself and scored a goal he's not given the, the added confidence of saying well go on do it again so they play Blackpool this weekend. Listen, by the time you've heard this, Abby's mate Simon Grayson may well have given his pre-match press conference in which he insists that the game is not about him getting one over on his old club and some people might even believe him. Elsewhere, Ipswich against Bristol Rovers. Rovers travelling to Portman Road. Uh, Paul Lambert's boys have tracked a fast becoming the draw specialist. Three on the bounce for them. Is that a wobble, Adrian? Oh, they're definitely wobbling. Definitely. He said after the FA Cup defeat... So Coventry is the worst performance since he's been there. Home form is not good. Haven't won at home since September. It's nearly Christmas. <laughs> this is a side that, that are very much in the race for automatic promotion. So they're way below their best at the moment. I think Norwood's groin surgery really did impact them. He's back now, but he's not not a full tilt, shall we say. So Probably shouldn't have done that wrestling match when he was injured. <laughs> no, he shouldn't. Uh, I don't think he did do it. I think he refed it. Because uh, I, know, I know the person who was involved in it and uh, they said that, that that he was absolutely rammed, by the way. It, it was a great event. He said that James Norwood was a was a great sport. I think it's a difficult game for, for Ipswich. I can see goals. Bristol Rovers are conceding for fun. I mean, they conceded 12 in their last six. So, so I can see both teams scoring for sure. Here, but I give Bristol Rovers a live chance. They've got a lot of character under Graham Cothlin. I've been I've been pretty impressed by them, and they've snuck into the promotion race, haven't they? Yeah, David Rovers, as we mentioned, coming from behind against Southend. Graham Cothlin, named manager of the week in the EFL's team of the week. I was going to say, are they going under the radar a bit? But maybe we're we're preventing that from happening now. Do you think that they can become genuine promotion contenders? Another club with decent backing, you know, good fan base, owner who's prepared to put some money in. They should be challenging, shouldn't they? 
Yeah, possibly, but I think it, it, if you're a club in their position, or a team in their position, then you, you know, there's no pressure on you. There's no pressure on you like there is at Ipswich or as, uh, at Sunderland, certainly, and in Portsmouth into division, who expect a lot of them. But I think that's you know, that's why uh, Wigan, Bristol Rovers, you know, th- these are teams that can that can go out there with less pressure and and just build on the the momentum that they've got. Yeah, certainly, the yeah, the results lately shown that they they can certainly do that. But I mean, it's. Of course, the, the big asset test really is coming up to this period now, uh, December, January, when you know you've got suspensions, injuries, lots of games. So they, they'll be well. They're going into a, with a lot of confidence. So, so why not? It'll be a test of their ambition in January if there's a bid for Johnson Clark Harris, because I think he's one of the division's best strikers. He's got a nice understanding with Tom Nichols, who doesn't score many for a front man, but they they complement each other great. Are they going to say absolutely under no circumstances will we sell Clark Harris or will they fold and take the money? That decision might make or break how they fare this year. Yeah, listen, you're probably aware of this as an EFL devotee, but I think it's always worth pointing out. Johnson Clark Harris is a footballer, not a member of Boris Johnson's cabinet. Um, <laughs> let's get some odds, Joe. Sunderland to go up? I mean, we kept Sunderland as... as Amongst the the top two favourites for as long as we possibly could, but I think we're resigned to the fact that they're they're not one of the top contenders now for promotion. But they're still eleven to four to go up, which puts them joint sixth favourites alongside Rotherham and Portsmouth. Ipswich odds on at four to six, Wickham fifteen to eight, and Peterborough two to one. Uh, and what about the game at the Stadium of Light on Saturday? I mean, do you always go with a Sunderland home win, despite the fact that they've drawn most of their games one one in the last two years? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, we we do, and again, the even money to get the the victory this weekend against Blackpool. Blackpool eleven to four, and the draw twenty three to ten. Ipswich no home win since September. Clarky tells us. I bet they're still favourites to beat Bristol Rovers. They are indeed. Odds on four to five. Bristol Rovers uh, looking quite a decent price at seventeen to five, and the draw thirteen to five. Okay, that's League One thoroughly chewed over. Logic dictates there's only one stop left on this train. Hey, Clarky, fancy a beer? <sighs> Cheers, Matt. Ah, the refreshing taste of Beer52.com and their selected adult beverages. Beer52? I might have to get involved. Is there a way I can get some cans? Funny you should ask that, Clarky, because Beer52 want to give you and the listener a free case of beer. Now, typically, Beer52 put eight beers in these cases, but simply because you listen to the Totally Football League show, they're going to chuck in another two bottles. So that's ten beers for free. All you pay is £4.95 for next day shipping. That's a decent deal, I've got to say. But why should I choose Beer52? Is it decent? Well, let me tell you about them. Beer 52 are beer pioneers, working with small batch breweries from all over the world to bring you hoppy IPAs, hazy pale ales and eclectic lagers from places like the Czech Republic, California and, of course, Italy. And there's no minimum commitment with Beer 52. You can just take this free case, try the beers and see what you think. If it's not for you, you can pause or cancel your subscription at any time. So head to beer52.com slash totally and claim your free case of craft beer right now. That's beer52, as in the number 5 and 2.com slash totally. And so long as you get your order in before the 17th, you get your beer in time for Christmas. Matt, you had me at Hoppy IPAs. Love that. Uh, what's the address again? It's beer52.com slash totally. Ah, that really was a good beer. In League Two, the headlines are Owen Doyle continues his goal-scoring record. That's eight in a row for him now and 18 league goals this season. 
Yowza. The cracks at Mac are back as the team lack their pay pack, so that match was sacked off, and that's just whack. Uh, nothing can beat that last headline which Abby wrote, although fans of last week's show would like it noted that Exeter broke their hoodoo and beat Northampton, so now three wins in 26, so they did spoil that slightly by losing in the FA Cup to non-league Hartlepool, though. And Macclesfield-wise, owner Amar Alcardi says he's in advanced negotiations with various third parties, uh, which sounds disconcertingly vague. Joe Seeley still in the frame to take over. This after last weekend's game against Crewe was called off by the EFL after Macclesfield's players went on strike saying the health and well-being of both the players and staff have been adversely affected by the ongoing late payment of wages and as a result they'd be unable to focus on on the pitch matters. One way or another, Adrian, this needs to get sorted quickly because... (laughs) It's an aspect we don't really think of. We speak about, hey, these guys have got mortgages to pay and stuff, but when your mental health's getting affected by a job and your job should be something, in this case, that makes you feel great, that's yeah. a horrible situation. Yeah, absolutely it is, yeah. And and I hope that they're, they've got access to the right people to talk to the players. It is diff- You have to show great mental strength to be a footballer full stop, actually, because it's, it is a demanding profession. Someone's always trying to take your job because it's so competitive and the what happens on a Saturday or a Wednesday night or a Tuesday night influences whether you, whether you can pay that mortgage. It's, it's a high it's a high pressure gig. And when you've also got the fact that you don't know what's happening from one week to the next, you don't know whether you're going to get money. It, it, yeah, it can be very destabilizing. Yeah, I feel sorry for the Macclesfield players. All I, all I can say is that the manager and the squad themselves have been so professional when they have taken to the field haven't down tools. They've played for the badge, haven't they? And they've played for, for what I would describe as personal pride as well. And and that tells me that they've got they've got some good eggs in the dressing room. So so look, all, all is not lost for for Macclesfield. Given what they've put up with, they should be in the bottom too. But then they're miles away. A friend of the show, Mike Minet, tweeting one source tells me Macclesfield Town players returned to training yesterday and will train. Today, uh, In other grim news, an incident of alleged racism at Forest Green Rovers this past weekend. Rovers said a single fan was being investigated for comments directed at Scunthorpe player Jordan Clark. The ref stopped the match, spoke to both managers before carrying on to see out a Scunthorpe win. Forest Green investigating the matter further. And since we spoke last week, Crawley have appointed John Yems as their head coach, replacing Gabriel Chioffi. That's right, John Yems. The very same. Yemo. Yeman. <laughs> The Yemster. You got a favourite John Yem story, Clarky? Oh, Yemster, yeah. Um, I, go- I had to Google him. That, I think, is... Look, I don't want to give the guy a chance. I know that he's been there before. He was a joint caretaker. He's, he's been scouting for years. He's coached at various places, albeit not always at, the, at first team level. He's been a football operations manager at Bournemouth, whatever that means. Um, so you have to describe it as an underwhelming appointment. I'm a bit worried about Crawley. The fact that the fact that Stephen and Jamorkham have, have been pretty dire lets them off the hook. But I, I would say that Crawley right now are absolutely not off the hook. They they could they could be heading back towards the National League. He's a nice guy, bowl accounts, well respected in the game. But is it was he the prime candidate for Crawley Town? I'm not I'm not convinced. I can see him being uh, being very strong at Yem. Now that's a Geordie joke, so all the Geordies and, and, and Macams who listen to this, they'll, they'll be laughing now. So, okay, can, I'm fake laughing. Can we have a, <laughs> can we have a translation? What's Yem? Yem is home. All oh, right, okay. Which, which comes from Danish. Yeah, well, Danish is, is Yem for home. Nice, that's okay. Where it comes from. Well, there's some listeners in the North East who particularly <laughs> enjoy that. 
Uh, he doesn't even have a photo on the sackrace.com, which is the hub of all managerial news. Uh, <laughs> that tells you something. Let's take a look at some of the weekend's games. Scunthorpe versus Colchester. Paul Scunny on the up and up, doing well on the much-loved low form table. Colchester not lost since mid-October, but Adrian, mm-hmm. if you're a Colchester player... Be brutally honest here. Are you thinking I am desperate not to get injured because I'm supposed to be playing at Old Trafford no. next week? No, genuinely, I think I, I'm thinking I can't wait to play in it because we're in great form. I'm in good form, and I want to cement my place at Old Trafford. That's what I'm thinking. And footballers do don't really think about that. They don't really worry about being injured. It's the supporters, I think, that want everybody wrapped in cotton wool. A player will. Well, I think if I was left out of this game. For Old Trafford, I'd almost have, I'd be, I'd have the hump about it. So no, no, it, it, what will be will be. Old Trafford's a few days away. Colchester in the promotion race. Make no mistake about it. And Scunthorpe, don't write them off of, of sneaking into the playoffs either. Over the last ten games, second and fourth in the in the form table, respectively, they've amassed thirty-seven points between them across those ten games each. I like the look of this game because Colchester are strong. They're, they're, they're nobody's fools. They won't roll over for anybody. But Scunthorpe have a front four at the moment that, that are really fire, firing. You've got the two wingers, Issa and Gilead, who scored worldies at Forest Green last time out. They're in form. And you've got a front two of Novak and Van Veen that I've talked about before. So my worry for Scunthorpe ahead of this one is that Lund... The central midfielder is, is suspended, although he did miss the weekend as well. And uh, yeah, maybe they'll miss him, but be a hard game to call this one. Newport Stevenage, meanwhile, what's happened to Newport? Exiles on mainly losing street after four defeats in a row. David, you said at Osterson you had that run of sticky form last year. What did you do and, and what will Mike Flynn and Co be doing to try and arrest this? Is it a case of making radical changes? Or, you did know, that? You... He made seven last week. Right, OK. Well, <laughs> are, are you carrot or stick? Or You, you know what it is? It's, it's trying to get players f- focused away from results. And regardless of what uh, you know, what's gone before, I think if you focus on the the process and, and what you're trying to do to to achieve the results, then two players. If you're on a, a bad run, you can even during the game or just before the game, you're focusing on, or oh, we have to win, or you know, we don't. Need, we hope we don't get beat. When really, it's about how you the process go through to, to win games and I think that's what you've got to do it's almost the same as the the Macclesfield situation really where rather than focusing on what's happening off the pitch it's to make sure that you just focus on what everything and that's the most difficult thing and as a manager it's not just about uh, tactics and formations and things like that it's the, the actual process of, get, of getting people just focusing on the on the football itself and so and it's it Again, um, sort of like Mike Cosmo of that is pro- the process of winning games and, and how you're going to achieve that in the in the in the things that you try to do on the pitch, rather than uh, worrying about the, the result. The results are you know it's a factor you can't control. Lots of things can happen that that mean you can play well and, and don't win games. But if you're doing the right things on the pitch, then more often than not you you will end yes, win the game. Sometimes a coaching staff can make things worse for a play for players that are low on confidence by by overdoing the analysis ahead of games I noticed on that that Derby have stopped doing post-match sort of video sessions of their worst performances just because it was almost it was almost uh, making them feel worse about themselves sometimes you just got to make yeah. try and make the players feel feel better uh, making seven changes last weekend was bold wasn't it for, for Bradford away it wasn't the worst performance only got beat beat one nil um this game, this game's got nil nil written on over it, hasn't it? Have you seen Stevenage of late? Last three nil nil. I mean, quite remarkable. Uh, only lost one of their last six, but yeah, they've um, 
Newport at home as well. Eight of ten home games have scored a maximum of one goal. <laughs> so that's where their their problems lie. On paper, it, it has goalless draw written all over it. Uh, Paul Farman, by the way, I, I think is is doing brilliantly for Stevenage. He's, he's the goalkeeper there, and I think that with him between the sticks, they've they've got a chance of staying up. They've just got to fix the the stuff going forward and and, I, and I'm confident that Stevenage can survive because he the defence is clearly decent at the moment and I think they have one of the best keepers in the division yeah I agree with that I worked with Paul for for three years at, uh, at Lincoln and uh, I think he's really unfortunate to to leave the club in the end under the Cowleys brilliant character now that he's a little bit more experienced and older he's uh, his attitude is first class uh, and even though it, when he first came into the game, he came in from a from a, a non-league background, you know, Blythe Spartans, um, and then he came up to to Lincoln when Lincoln won the National League. So he, he's he's done things the hard way. And uh, this season, off the back of last year, the decent uh, season last year, just missed out in the playoffs, not by much. You know, obviously he's been disappointed the way this, th- things have gone this year, but. With him at the back, he's a real leader now. He's a real voice in the dressing room, and, and it's good to hear. I've not seen much of him this season, but so it's good to hear that uh, the clock is saying those nice words about him. Uh, Joe, odds wise, let's uh, start with that game between Newport and Stevenage at Rodney Parade. Any excuse to say Rodney Parade? Uh, <laughs> who's the favourites? Despite the, the terrible run of form that Newport are on, they are odds on to win this game five to six. Stevenage seven to two, and the draw twelve to five. How about Scunthorpe Colchester? Scunthorpe are twenty-seven to twenty, Colchester two to one, and the draw is nine to four. So Scunthorpe slight favourites there. Right before we go, Ed Quoth the Raven has tweeted pointing out that anyone sent off this weekend and getting a three-game ban doesn't play again until the second of January. As soon as you both hung up your boots, you can be honest with this. Have you ever tried, succeeded, or known a teammate to get a ban so that they get Christmas off? <laughs> I, I genuinely haven't. Genuinely, I yeah, I. I, I Barely even thought about thought about making a tackle, let, let alone actually tackle <laughs> someone. So, so it was never on my, my on my mind that I might get suspended. Um, no, just didn't like missing games. Don't like missing out. Uh, I think most players are the same, but you you do get one or two, I guess, Dave. Yeah, I mean, th- th- there was a few coincidentals where yeah. it seems to be the same players all the time. But I had enough trouble trying to get in the starting eleven. Never mind trying to get sent off. So, <laughs> lovely stuff. My thanks to David, to Adrian, and to Joe. Caroline's back next week. I'll see you in 2020. Clearly, you've been listening to the Totally Football League Show, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, please email sales at muddyneesmedia.com. Keep up to date with everything across our Totally Football network at The Totally Show on Twitter. And make sure you check out our brand new website too, thetotallyfootballshow.com. <laughs>